the first trip I lived to uh, to Mexico was in July of 1997. We took a group from Rushmore Christian Church. There's a little bit over 20 of us that traveled to Juarez. The trip was being facilitated or, or led on the Mexican side of that trip anyway by a good friend of mine named Scott, Scott Springer. Scott at that point had been traveling to Mexico for, for over 25 years, had been going to Juarez probably for, for six or seven years leading groups down there. So, so I asked him if he would, would lead our first group and, and help us. So, so Scott lined out a project for us and we were going to be working at the Galeana Church. So some of you that have gone to Mexico have, have, uh, have attended a worship service at the Galeana Church. And, and our job was we were going to be expanding Helping them expand their, their, their church building. They, they had dreamed, uh, and, and began working on a, a new building, which was going to be their sanctuary. And they'd been working on it, not for years, but for decades. Forty years earlier, a group of men from the church had, had began to, to start this building. They'd poured a foundation, a floor and a foundation and, and started building up walls. And the walls got up about this high, about four or five feet high. Uh, and, and, and I know that it got that high because they were made out of adobe bricks. So when we got there, we saw adobe walls about four or five feet high. And, and for some reason, the, the work came to a halt. Maybe they lo- didn't have money. Maybe they had some struggles. I don't, I don't know what they, they stopped building and, and it sat idle for years. And, and then, uh, again, the church decided to, to build that sanctuary and they began to add on top of the adobe bricks. Handmade concrete bricks, uh, uh, blocks that, and you could tell what they were. And it went up another four or five feet high. And I don't know what happened. The, the work came to a halt again, uh, and stopped there for, for years. And then finally they added on top of that and you could tell they were smoother. They were store bought blocks and, uh, and on top of that, a stud wall. Uh, and finally they were ready. They were ready to have their church. So our group, when we went, our job was we were gonna, we were gonna put the trusses on top of those walls. Uh, a group was gonna follow us in a few weeks and they were gonna put the decking and maybe even get to the roofing and, and another week after that to, to finish it off. And, and, and finally the church there at Galeana was going to have their, uh, have their new sanctuary. So, so we arrived the first day of our, of our trip and, uh, the free, the, the prefabricated, fabricated trusses that had been ordered from El Paso weren't at the church. They were supposed to be sitting there, but they weren't there. Uh, but what we were assured that they would arrive the next morning. The next morning came and, and they didn't come. Then we were told, well, they'll be there Tuesday morning. And Tuesday morning came and they didn't show up. So I had a group of, of 20 people trying to figure out what we could do to, to, to keep a group busy, uh, and, and productive. And we'd done every little odd job that we could do around the, the church. And, uh, in fact, the trust has never showed up. It was two weeks later before they made it across the border. Uh, uh, eventually the church got built, but we weren't a part of that, that process. So, so when you've got a group and nothing to do, what do you do? Well, we went and bought paint because you can always paint. So, so we, we bought paint and we went over to a, a guy in the church. His name is Narciso, Narciso Vasquez. If you've been to Galeana, you, you would have met Narciso's about this tall and he's got glasses about that thick and, uh, neat, neat guy. Uh, and so we went over to Narciso's house and we started painting his house and we hadn't been there very long. I don't even know if we'd got the paint out yet, but, uh, uh, had got organized and 
and we began to notice the, the, the neighbors on either side of Narciso came out of their houses and they stood on the, in their yards and on the sidewalk looking at us. And the neighbors across the street had come out of their homes and they stood on their sidewalk and gazed across the, the, into Narciso's sidewalk to see this, this group of 20 gringos that had gathered and, and they began to stare within 15 or 20 minutes there, there had to be 15 to 20 adults gathered all around and probably 25 to 30 kids all gathered around watching these, these gringos uh uh now 1997 was pre cell phones uh, but if it had been today they would have had their iphones out uh videotaping they they might have gone to facebook live and, and and been talking about their i don't know what's going on but there's 20 gringos in narciso's yard we have no idea what's happening but we're watching it and and reporting live but uh but but we stood there for a while and finally finally someone hollered from our group hollered out someone that had high school spanish hollered out hola which literally translated means hi. Uh, so, so a couple of us said, 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 oh, someone else said in high school Spanish thought, well, I'm going to, uh, I'll, uh, I'll bump that up a notch. And someone said, buenos dias. Uh, and, and someone else that had two years of high school Spanish elbowed them and said, it's not buenos dias. This was in the evening. and said, it's not buenos dias. It's buenos tardes, which is good afternoon. And, and someone else said, no, it's about dark. So it's buenos noches, which is good night. Now I've never figured out when it switches from buenos tardes to buenos noches. And we couldn't figure it out. So we continued with just hola, because <laughs> hola works no, t- no matter what time of day, uh, it is. But even, even in the midst of our, weak attempt at communication, uh, there was something that was obvious. It, it, it actually was very plain, I, I think obviously to us, but it was also plain to the Mexicans gathered around us. There was a noticeable divide, an unseen barrier. I think both groups felt it. There, th- th- there was us, the the twenty gringos and then there was them. Now 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 we were separated literally by only a few feet or a couple yards, but it might as well have been a mile. Until un, until one of the one of the kids on our trip, a high school, I think he was probably a sophomore, high school sophomore, uh, named Bart Hintz. Uh, Nick, he went to high school with Bart. Some of the some of you know the Hintz family. When a young young high school sophomore, Bart Hintz, left the safety of our group and crossed that, that divide that was separating us and approached the, the Mexicans on the other side. Now, unfortunately, all the kids that went down, I was going to do it with the kid. I, I've got... She's older. She'll know. Give the appropriate response. She just kind of looked at me like, "What are you doing, stupid gringo?" <laughs> but, uh, but 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 Bart reached over and tickled a, a little girl, and she giggled and jumped back. And then he reached over 
and he tickled another little Mexican girl and she giggled and she jumped back. And about that time, a, a little Mexican boy jumped out and, and kind of fainted like he was going to go at Bart almost as to tempt him. You can't tickle me. And so Bart pretended like he didn't see him. And then he reached over and started chasing him. And, and in, in just a couple moments, the, the, the yard, Narciso's yard was full of Mexican child, children laughing and giggling, being chased by American teenagers and adults, by the way. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of painting going on, uh, was one thing I noticed, but it just took a couple moments and the wall that had been there, the divide that had stood between us and separated the two different groups was destroyed. And it was destroyed by the action of one person. See, Bart left us and traveled to them and broke down the wall. One of the lessons that we learned from the book of Hebrews, if you weren't here last week, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. We're, we're in the book of Hebrews now. We're going to be studying it for the next couple months. Uh, so let me encourage you to be, uh, to be reading the book. Uh, uh, one thing you'll notice we talked about last week that it was a, a book written to Jewish Christians. So you're going to notice uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish terminology, if you will, Jewish ideas are, are intersprinkled throughout this book. So when, as you read it, and I encourage you to do that uh, over the next weeks, you'll, you'll notice and see that there. But one of the lessons that Hebrews teaches us is that there was a divide. There was a chasm between, but, but, between God. See, see, there was God and there was his son Jesus and there were the angels and there were the created beings and then there was us. And, and the one thing the us had in common, the one thing we had in common, common is that, that we were all, uh, uh, we were all sinners. We had all, uh, broken the law. And between us, between the perfection of heaven, between the perfection of heaven and the imperfection of the earth was a divide. What Hebrews teaches us, uh, Scripture teaches us, the New Testament teaches us this as well, but Hebrews brings it out in the open. What, what it teaches us is that one person, one person, Jesus, left the safety and perfect, perfection of heaven to come down to earth and to crush and destroy the divide that keeps us apart. The next two weeks, we're going to be looking uh, actually at two different sets of verses. Now, I, I do apologize if you look at the uh, in in your bulletin, the 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 note card to to uh, to follow. Uh, I messed up and forgot to change the verses, so the verses listed there are incorrect. But but what we're going to be looking at is is two sections of verses: uh, Hebrews chapter two and Hebrews chapter four. They're kind of parallel verses that share. Share two, two ideas. And so the next two weeks, we're going to be talking from Hebrews chapter two and chapter four, Jesus shares. So we'll look at one of the things he shares today. We'll look at the other thing he shares, uh, next week. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter two. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 to 18. And notice when we read chapter four, you're going to see it sounds like they're almost the same. Uh, sections. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's speaking of Jesus, shared in their humanity. Jesus shares our humanity. 
He shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he made him to be like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, now flip over two chapters to chapter four. Let me just go ahead and read those verses. Uh, and, and the next two weeks we'll, we'll kind of pick from, from both of these sections. Chapter four, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, same kind of turn, terminology, who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Nick, does this these verses sound anything like our lesson today in Sunday school? Uh, uh, almost exact same thing that we studied there today. So Jesus shares, first thing, Jesus shares our humanity. We see that from Scripture. He left heaven, came to earth. He, he became like us. He shared. Uh, he shares our humanity, and 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 in doing so, there was a price to be paid. So so let's look at the price. What did it cost? What did it cost Jesus to to come here, destroy that divide, gap, bridge that gap, so that that we would know him. What was the price? My my friend Bart paid a price that day when he walked across that divide. Now, now what would have happened had he reached over? Now, I, I know Bart well enough. Nick, you know him well enough to know too. I, uh, Bart wasn't even thinking about this. He, he gave it no thought whatsoever. But I was the group le- group leader, and I was thinking it. When Bart r- walked over and tickled that, fr- what if that first girl he tickled had burst into tears and had run back to her father and stuck her head in her father's lap and, and pointed at him like that? That guy, he, oh, I, I don't know what would have happened. See, see, Bart, Bart, Bart took a risk. There's a price he paid. When God sent his son Jesus, and 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 he did send him, kind of twofold, God sent him and Jesus came. Jesus didn't come unwillingly, but when God sent his son, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, it came with a price. And this is what he gave up. First of all, he gave up his throne. Let me let me make sure that you understand something about Jesus. Uh, I, in, in doing so, we understand, we understand the power of him sharing our humanity. Uh, we, we understand the sacrifice of him sharing our humanity when we realize that he gave up his throne. Now, I, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get a little bit deep here. Not, not very much so, but, but a little bit deep and, uh, and I, I don't want to go there too long because when I go deep, I, it gets over my head real fast too. So I, uh, but I'm going to go to a place that I'm going to talk about what, what is truth, what is theology, what is real, what scripture says. I'm not going to explain it to you because 
it's too deep for me to actually figure out and understand myself. It just is. So, so what, what do I mean when Jesus gave up his throne? See, Jesus was, uh, I assume you already know this, but I just want to make sure we're, we're at the, start, the, the same starting point. Jesus was already in heaven. Now, now he came in the form of a child, but Jesus, Jesus wasn't like non-existent and suddenly he was born and came into existence. That's, that's not the case. Jesus was already in heaven. God had sent him and he came. What we know, what we believe as a church, what we believe scripture teaches, uh, and yet we struggle to really wrap our minds around it. And I don't think we're ever going to wrap our minds around it because God is God and we aren't, is that there is a trinity. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. They are different and yet the same. They are distinct. They have their their distinct characteristics, their distinct distinct, uh, idea and purpose and, and ministry, and yet they're the same. So, So when Jesus came to earth, he was God the Son, who came in the form of of a baby? He was before that. He was God in heaven. He was he, he he existed in heaven, and yet he gave that up to come to earth. Now, now we catch it in chapter four, verse fourteen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, so so he came from heaven to earth. Philippians chapter two. Verse six, 6 tells us this, uh, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Uh, and if you want to go over to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says this. Paul points it out another way. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Uh, John chapter 1, the gospel of John starts off this way and says, In the beginning was the word. Talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And even Jesus himself in John chapter 8, verse 54, makes this claim. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. So we, we struggle to understand it. We struggle to, to wrap our minds around it. But, but Jesus existed in heaven before he came to earth. And that's what he gave up. That's one of the sacrifices he made. That's one of the prices he paid was to give up his throne to come here. Uh, It would be like, now this is a poor illustration, but it would be like if you gave up your home, you you gave up your central air conditioning. Uh, Some of you probably this morning kicked on your furnace because you've gone from air conditioning season to furnace season and and you kicked on your gas or electric furnace. But but it's like giving that up. You give up uh, electricity. You give up your refrigerator, which about midnight last night, I realized that Rita and I did that when I 
went to my fridge to get a drink of cold water and it was lukewarm and my freezer was thawed out. Uh, I realized that we gave up, uh, refrigeration last night. That was our good way to start our day today. Uh, but, but you give up your internet, your cable TV, you give up your stove, your microwave. And instead, you you exchange that by taking up residence in a cardboard box in an alley. And your only warmth is a couple old ratty, stinky blankets. And, and even that doesn't accurately represent the price that Jesus paid when he gave up heaven to come, as we studied about in, in our Sunday school class today, to, to come to a stable in a humble place like Bethlehem. So Jesus gave up his throne. Catch this. He also gave up his power. Now, now I know some of you are going to think you might be thinking, what, what are you talking about? He gave up his power. Jesus, Jesus had power. Did, didn't he heal the sick? Didn't he, didn't he feed the thousands? Didn't, didn't Jesus stop the storms? In fact, I'm pretty sure there's stories about Jesus speaking and dead people came back to life. What do you mean Jesus gave up his power? In, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, where we're at, verse 17 says this, says this, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. He, he became like us. Look at verse 18 in chapter 2. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Look over at chapter 4, verse 15. Let's just touch on that verse again. Chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus gave up his power, and this is what it was. He gave up his power to be protected from temptation. Last week, uh, I I referenced, just made a quick comment about about the fact that Rita um, is my boss and won't let me have a motorcycle. I I, I was referring to to an illustration I'd given back in the summer about uh, about why I didn't have a motorcycle uh, and why she won't allow me to have one, and I don't remember when I told that story if I gave if I gave this detail or not. If I did, I'll, I'll re- repeat it. But the reason my dad had bought a motorcycle for my brother and I is my dad always wanted a motorcycle. He, he grew up he grew up on a farm, and they they were were dirt poor, and life was a struggle, and life wasn't easy for him. And he'd always wanted a motorcycle growing up, and was never able to have one. And and and, and then he got married, and and started having kids. And uh, and uh, what six years later, he had six kids. And so so any any dreams of having a motorcycle, uh, they were. And maybe my mom said, "No, you can't have a motorcycle." But uh, but he didn't have the money if he even if he had uh, wanted one. But but he'd always wanted one. So so when we got to a certain age, he bought a motorcycle for us. It's fairly it's fairly common for us as parents. Stop and think about it, those of you who are parents. It's pretty common of us that that we want our kids to have things that we didn't have. If we struggle through some hardships, we we we, uh, we work hard so that our kids don't have to. Uh, 
to, to be inflicted with those same type of hardships or struggles or disappointing, disappointing things. It, it's a natural principle that God, that parents would want to protect their children from struggles and to give them good things. Now, you, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? That, that it's only natural as parents. I want my kids to have good stuff. Catch this. God did the opposite. God did the opposite. James 1.13 tells us God cannot be tempted by evil. So, so catch what this means in heaven. We're, we're kind of deep. It's hard to understand God. But, but in heaven, God could not be tempted. When Jesus was in heaven, he could not be tempted. So when God sent Jesus to, to share our humanity, to live fully God and yet fully human, one thing he stripped from him was the protection, the protection from temptation. See, he was now exposed to temptation. He was now exposed to evil. Jesus paid the price by giving up his power. Yes, he was incarnate God. Yes, he did miracles. He, he could speak a word and a storm would stop. He could touch a person and their, their affliction would, would, would be healed. But the one thing God didn't protect him from was temptation. So, so he gave up his throne. He gave up his power. And, and it's kind of obvious, uh, if, if you're filling out your, your, uh, Note there, you probably can guess this one. He gave up his life. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death, by his death, he might break the power of Satan. Jesus, Jesus shared in our humanity. And one of the sacrifices is, is that he shared in death. He experienced everything that we experienced. Now, now again, I think we know this, but I just, I just as a starting point, I want to make sure you understand this. When, when Jesus, whether as a an adult or a, a child, when Jesus fell down and skinned his knee, it bled. When when he went without food, he was hungry. When he walked miles in the heat of the day, he got tired. When he stayed up all night and prayed, he was sleepy. When he preached for hours, I I bet he got he, he got hoarse. His throat got sore. When he was called names and 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 ridiculed, it cut to his core. When he was beaten, it hurt. Jesus shares our humanity. So so when he was standing trial and they spit upon him, he felt the spittle running down his face. When he was stripped and beaten, he felt each blow as it ripped his skin. When he fell under, under the weight of the cross on the on, on the Via Dolorosa, when he fell, he, he felt the crushing weight of that cross when his knees hit and his shoulders hit and, and his hips hit the rocky road that he was on. When the nails were driven into his hand and, and, and his feet, that excruciating pain that I can't even imagine, he felt it just like we would if we were in his place. When he had to push himself up, by, by the nails in his feet, just so he could clear his, his diaphragm to take a struggling breath. 
He felt the same panic that we would feel when we felt like we're drowning. Don't misunderstand. Certainly don't overlook, don't minimize the price that Jesus paid on the cross. The price he paid for sharing our humanity. So, so he shares our humanity where, where that speaks to us. We, we see it in both texts, chapter two and chapter, uh, chapter four is, is that he knows what it's like. He, he knows what it's like to be us. He, he shared completely our humanity. So, so there was a price. Let's look, uh, as, as we finish up here, th- there was a purpose. We'll, we'll actually talk a little bit more about this next week when we see the second thing that he shares, but there was a purpose. Jesus shared our humanity. It required him to pay a price, but there is a purpose. And, and, and I, I think we see two things. Uh, verse 14 again in chapter two, read along there. Since, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus came to destroy Satan's power. He came to destroy Satan's power. I was telling someone the other day that, that I don't wear, uh, I don't wear suits very often anymore. In fact, there's only, there's only two occasions that I wear a suit. I, I wear a suit uh, at weddings and at uh, at funerals, and, and I've got I've got a couple others. But basically, I wear a black suit or a blue suit, kind of interchangeably. And I either have a dress, uh, a white dress shirt, or a blue dress shirt. And and my ties are somewhat interchangeable, whether it's a, w- a wedding or a funeral. But but boy, those ceremonies are different. One ceremony is marked by smiles, by joy, by celebration. Sometimes, in fact, almost every time there's clapping and there's cheering. There's a sense of hope and a sense of new beginning. The other ceremony, though, is marked by sadness, by tears, by mourning, by pain. There's a somberness and a darkness that hangs over the whole event. There's despair oftentimes and lack of hope. Death is powerful. You probably have all been to a funeral and you felt the power of death present. And yet Jesus came to destroy that power. The, the Greek word for destroy is katargeo, which means to render ineffective. So, so Satan, uh, Satan is rendered ineffective by, by Jesus on the cross. It, it means to render powerless. Satan is rendered powerless when Jesus went to the cross. It means to reduce to inactivity. For a believer, Jesus' victory on the cross destroys Satan's power at death. Jesus shared our humanity so that he could turn off. He could render null and void Satan's power over us. And And the outcome then of destroying Satan's power is this, to set free those who've been captive, to set free those who were captive to that death, to that power. Verse 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. See, 
See, when we know Jesus, when we know Jesus, death has no power. Is there grieving? Yes. Is, is there sadness? Yes. Is there pain? Yes. But death has no power over us. Jesus shared our humanity and it came with a price. He gave up his throne. He, he gave up heaven. He gave up his power, which, which was his protection from being tempted, his protection from evil. Even though he won, uh, won that, he, he, he didn't sin. He still faced it and he gave up his life. His purpose then was to render Satan ineffective. Do you you realize that Satan has no power, no power over you? Because Jesus became like us. He shared our humanity. Uh, Three or four weeks ago, I was unloading my my lawnmower off our trailer. Uh, Rita had come out uh, side for some reason, and I, I said to her, uh, I said, Rita, get on the mower and back it off. I have a zero-turn motor mower, and the, the one I have now is about two years old, and she has never been on it. Uh, it's really just like the one I had before, just a little bit newer and a little bit bigger mower. And, and I said, Rita, get, and she's like, no, I don't want I said, come on, come on, you've not been on the mower. So, so I, I finally convinced her. She, she, she got up on the, the, the mower, and I reminded her how to get it started. She got it started. She started backing off the deck. And, and literally, this, this is about the speed that she backed off the, uh, off the deck of, of the trailer. She, and I'm like, come on, Rita. It's gonna, I don't have all day. It's, it's going to be dark in a couple hours. Get And, 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 and then she... She, she would jerk the deal and they would go forward a little bit and then she got a little bit further and I'm going to pay for this later, but she would, she would, she, she would go and then she would get sideways, but, but eventually she got off, she eventually got it off the, uh, of course, once the tires hit the, 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 the ramp, she kind of freaked a little bit, but she got it off and, and then she got it spun around and headed towards the shed and, and going forward and she went about like this. I mean, she was just creeping along. I'm like, come on, Rita, hurry up. And so she finally gets over to where our shed is, and it's right on the crown of a hill, and she had a little trouble getting it turned around, but she finally got it spun around and aimed at the shed. Now, now there's about, about this much space on either side of the, of the deck of the mower when you pull it in. And you pull it in, and you've got, you've got maybe a foot. At, once you get in, you've got about a foot at the back before you run into stuff, other junk I've got in the, the, the shed. And, and she starts up the little ramp that goes in the shed, and suddenly she took off. I mean, she started going fast. I'm like, I start yelling, Rita, and she pulls. Oh, sorry about that. She she pulls back the handles, and she goes and goes sideways, and, and she did. I was there, and I, I maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly, but that's what she. I'm thinking she is going to beat me because I was standing beside. She's going to beat my my shed up, and and I reached over. And I turned the key off. And the madness stopped. <laughs> and she got off the mower. And she'll never be on it again, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Especially after today. But you know, when I, when I cut the key, it was powerless. She couldn't run into anything. She couldn't run into the side. She couldn't run into me. She couldn't back out. It was, it was dead. Jesus on the cross paid the price 
And his purpose was to render Satan completely powerless against us. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you love us, that you love us so much. According to your word that you sent your son, Jesus, he went to the, went to the cross for us. But before the cross, he came to earth and he gave up more than we can even comprehend, more than we can wrap our minds around. He sacrificed to share in our humanity, to become like us so that we could become like you. Father, help us appreciate and praise you and praise Jesus for his sacrifice. Father, help us live in the victory that he gives us. The victory over sin, the victory over temptation, the victory over the power of death, the victory over Satan. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.